0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance's teaching in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, called The Bondage of Legalism.
1: Privilege to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I have not taught on a Sunday in some time, so uh, it's cool to be back and to get to bring the word of God today. Uh, I see it as an honor and privilege. So thanks for having me. Um, This week, as I was preparing for my sermon, I prepared in various places: at the church office, uh, at home, some local coffee shops. Kind of changed my environment a few times to try to. Get out of some of the daily distractions and just seek the Lord and see what He would say about this stuff. And at one point, um, I will say that uh, as I was preparing a message about um, you know rest and God's mercy and compassion, I think I severely lacked those things at a few points with two children under the age of two uh, trying to prepare this message. That's a joke. You guys can laugh. It's okay. I I wasn't I wasn't uh, that impatient with my kids. I promise. But uh, there was one point where my wife needed to go to the bathroom. And if you guys have young children or have had young children, you know that moms don't even get to go to the bathroom anymore on their own. There is no privacy ever again. Your life is over. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. But there are definitely times where it is pretty comedic to watch my two-year-old daughter wander and follow my wife into the bathroom. And she's like, okay, this is mommy's time. You know, Go back with daddy kind of thing. And um, I really do have so much more appreciation for moms, uh, having kids of our own, and just seeing all the things that my wife juggles and deals with. She's wearing our, our, uh, our little boy right now, and uh, there, there's just a constant uh, need for mom to be present, and it's such a beautiful thing, but there was one point this week where I was preparing, and I resorted to speech dictation on my MacBook, and that means that you can uh, press a series of buttons, and your computer actually will start recording your voice, and write out what you're saying. And it does a pretty decent job. And I usually go back and proofread them after just to see how things turned out. So I was holding my nine-week-old son and watching my two-year-old daughter while my wife escaped for a few short moments. And uh, I looked up to see our daughter, Melody, partaking in one of her newfound hobbies of sorts as of late. And she's going through the kitchen trash can. And I, I you know, looked over and Melody's holding old coffee pods and I don't know what else, only the Lord knows, and I said, no, Melody, don't touch that, that's yucky, you know, and that's our word for don't touch things that are gross and full of germs, and so I, you know, kind of got up, and I'm holding, you know, Titus and trying to, like, put the trash back in the trash can, okay, we don't touch this, honey, okay, and then, so, anyway, that was a couple days ago. Last night, I was reading through my notes, and um, you can probably guess where this is going, but I was using speech dictation at that time and so I came across as I was proofreading my notes and my thoughts jotting down uh, in my notes said proper theology brings forth the fruit of humility the more I understand who God is the more no melody don't touch that that's yucky (laughs) and I thought to myself wow I'm really glad I caught that because I would have read that in front of the entire congregation and been really confused and so I figured I would just tell you because I like transparency and I think it's funny Would you stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 12 is where we are going to pick up. Pastor Michael concluded chapter 11, so now we're in chapter 12 because that's how numbers work. And uh, so here we are, chapter 12. If you're new to the Bible, Matthew is the first book of our New Testament uh, or our New Covenant. And uh, these first gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, cover the life of Jesus. And so... um, I never take for granted the fact that somebody in this room this morning might be sitting in church for the first time. And so I think it's important to just remind you and for us to remind us too. I think this is so valuable. We are about to read an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Please don't forget that. This morning, if you feel discouraged in your faith, if you are an evidence-based type of person, you like logical thinking through all of those things. Look, the Christian faith is the most logical, factually based faith that has ever existed on the face of the earth. It doesn't mean that faith is not required to please our God, but there is an outstanding, overwhelming amount of evidence for this book. This is a very well-documented and preserved eyewitness account from a guy named Matthew that actually existed, and he actually walked and lived life with Jesus for some three years. And so he is recording what he witnessed. And so as we see our chapters and our verses, remember that this was written just as uh, notes from a guy who was following Jesus, and Matthew himself was pretty highly educated, very well written and spoken probably, and um, was even a tax collector before this, so he had some, some uh, pretty good training in how to read and write and keep tabs on things. So this is right up Matthew's uh, alley in keeping records of things. And so we're reading Matthew's records of what he saw and, and witnessed Jesus do. I think that's pretty amazing, and it's a good reminder before we dive in to remember we're reading his account. Okay, Matthew chapter 12, I'm reading from the ESV this morning, and it reads like this. At the time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, that is Jesus, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence? And it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. We're going to continue through verse 14, but we'll save that for later. You guys can have a seat. May the Lord write his word on our hearts. So at this point, Jesus, um, just to kind of paint the context and where we're at, Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been healing the sick, healing the lame. Um, People know who Jesus of Nazareth is now. His name is getting out. Um, Jesus had early parts of his earthly ministry where he walked the face of the earth. Uh, About the age of 30, he started doing some pretty crazy things and gathering his disciples and there was a time period where Jesus turns to his disciples in the midst of all these things and says, hey, um, keep this on the down low. That's the modern translation. I don't think Jesus used the word down low. Jesus spoke Aramaic, so he probably didn't say that. But Jesus was basically telling his disciples, look, uh, we're keeping things quiet right now. We're, we're past that. At this point, people know who Jesus is. They know what he's doing. Uh, Pharisees are following him. Jesus has an entourage of people following him a lot of times wherever he goes, to the point where there's times where Jesus, in the text, we see him slip off and like escape to the hills. Some of you want to do that this morning. You want to run away from everything and escape to the hills. Maybe you have little children at home and you want to escape to the hills, okay? You guys okay out there? That was a joke. I love my kids. I want to preface this sermon with, I love my children. They are a gift from God, okay? Um, But Jesus had people following him virtually everywhere he went, unless he like got on a boat and like got out of Dodge, people were following him. So at some points, there's sometimes thousands of people following Jesus in the midst of his daily, you know, happenings. And now I just want you to think about it for a minute. How much uh, mercy and compassion and patience would you have to have as a person to put up with that? Can you imagine going about your normal day-to-day business, you run down to the store to get some milk for the kids, and a few thousand people casually follow you? Can you imagine the scene? And granted, there's no grocery stores and cars in this day and age. People walked everywhere they went, unless they had some sort of beast of burden to, you know, uh, ride a donkey or a horse or something, a camel. But generally, people walked where they needed to go. Sometimes long stretches of uh, miles and miles. And can you imagine being at the grocery store and thousands of people are watching your every move? Would that get a little irritating? Yeah? No, just me? I'm the only one to be irritated by that? Like, oh... What's he doing? He's getting whole milk. Is it organic? I don't know. I can't see. You know, like just imagine the conversation's happening. Like everybody's watching Jesus, everything he does. And there's even times in the New Testament we see that Paul and others are walking along and people are following them, and they they have some a certain level of like annoyance. So they're like, can you guys just chill out for a second? Okay? You guys are following us everywhere we go. And Jesus is just so patient. He just, all these people following him. And the Pharisees now have joined the party. And they're walking side, stride and stride with Jesus. And the picture that's painted is that the disciples know this area well. They're from this area and they're kind of leading the way. Not that Jesus needed to be led. Uh, He is omniscient. That means he knows all things. He knows exactly where they're going and he knows what's about to happen. What already happened and what's going to happen right now today here in church. But Jesus is kind of casually walking behind his disciples and they're leading the way. And the picture that's painted is that the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees are walking in stride with Jesus and questioning him and pestering him about the things that he's doing. They're at this point extremely concerned about what Jesus is doing. And this, this guy from a little town called Nazareth is causing a lot of problems to their system. And that is really what today's text is largely about. Their system is being interrupted and they don't like it because they are prideful, hypercritical, hypocritical men. And so, as we dive in, it says that they went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples plucked heads of grain to eat. And you would think to yourself, so what? And you'd be right, not a big deal. But Spurgeon puts it this way. They were allowed by law to take ears of corn as they passed along. But the objection of the Pharisees was that they were doing so on the Sabbath. Plucking the heads of grain was reaping. Rubbing the grains from the husk was threshing. And their hypercritical minds couldn't stand it. Their traditions and fancies that they had regarded as code of law, according, uh, and according to these codes, The disciples were doing something that was not lawful to do on the Sabbath. The laws of the Sabbath at this point over the Jewish people had become, frankly, ridiculous. So much so, I'm not making this up, there were laws as follows If you were a tailor or sewed, you ought not to carry a needle and thread on the Sabbath because you may be tempted to, and I quote, sew more than one stitch. You could sew one stitch, but if you sewed two, You're in big trouble. Absurd. Women could not look in mirrors and abstain from looking in mirrors. Not of fear of breaking them, but in fear of, oh, I'd be tempted to fix my hair. That could be considered work.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Shane Lance in a moment.
2: Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a very special event that we're hosting at the church where I serve as senior pastor. It's called Living Truth Christian Fellowship right here in the city of Corona. It's the Dare to Defend Apologetics Conference. I'll tell you, it's some of the top apologetic speakers in the Christian world. This is Lenny Esposito. Now, this conference is
1: designed to specifically tackle our sex-saturated culture and provide answers to the challenges believers face today. Subjects that fill today's headlines like How do we combat the transgender movement that's increasingly endangering our kids? What is critical theory and is it compatible with faith? Now, we'll also tackle really specific church issues such as the battle for the biblical Adam and Eve, the war against the family and how our relationships are being undermined. We'll also deal with how our culture is losing its grip on
2: knowledge as real. Why don't you check it out today Go to walkintruth.com. Look for that link at the top of our site, walkintruth.com, and you can link right there, sign up, bring some friends, and grow in your most holy faith. God bless you.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: Women could not look in mirrors and abstain from looking in mirrors, not of fear of breaking them, but in fear of, oh, I'd be tempted to fix my hair. That could be considered work. Seriously, men couldn't, if a, if, a, if a building fell on the Sabbath and there was rubble covering potential bodies, they could move enough rubble to discover if anybody was still alive. But if they found any bodies that had already been deceased, they had to leave them until the next day. This is the amount of just, Heady, ridiculous laws that the Sanhedrin and the high priests and others had put into place as religious leaders over the people and said, you've got to do this, this, and this. And so think about what's happening here. Jesus is God in human flesh. Amen? That is an essential Christian doctrine. We hopefully agree on that. He is therefore the author of the law of Moses. He's literally the one who gave Moses the law. And these men are turning to the author of the law and saying, you know, we added some stuff along the way, and I don't know if you're caught up on it, but what they're doing is not right, according to us. And Jesus, as the author of the law, is probably looking at them like, you guys have no idea who I am, do you? I wrote the law, and I know for a fact, since I wrote it, that that's not in there. So what does the law actually say? Well, if you look at Exodus chapter 20, you don't have to turn there. We'll put it on the screen for you, hopefully. Exodus 20, verse 8. It says this, this is the fourth commandment. We see the, the 10 commandments. If you're new to the Bible, we have 10 commandments. You've probably heard that term many times. This is the fourth commandment that the Lord gives when he speaks to Moses and he records them and gives them to the people. And he says this in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. There's that word work. But on the seventh day you shall um, But on the seventh day, it is Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. So basically, nobody's allowed to work. Everybody needs to rest. It's pretty straightforward, actually, not complicated at all. In the six days, verse 11 of Exodus 20, For in the six days of the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. God set the precedent. Did God need to rest on the seventh day because he was fatigued or tired? No, we know that the scripture says very clearly, God does not get faint or weary. He does not faint or get weary. He's everlasting. But he set the precedent for the role and the rhythm of creation from the very beginning in that he rested on the seventh day. And that's what this is alluding to, the creation account in Genesis. And it says, Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. What does the word holy mean? It means to be set apart. Thank you. Set apart, to be sanctified for the purposes of good works and for the building of God's kingdom. And so God made the day set apart. That's it. That's what the fourth commandment says. It says, rest and set it apart to worship the Lord and get physical rest from your work. This fourth commandment is not supposed to be a burden. It is supposed to be a gift to us. Now, how many of you, I wanna ask you a question and you can ponder this actually rest on Sundays or have a day that you've made your Sabbath. Now for me, Sundays are not restful days, frankly. Sundays are my longest days of the week. I get up at about five, I get here by six, 6.15, and we're usually here till one or two in the afternoon. And like tonight, we have an event on Sunday night, we have prayer tonight, I'm coming back to lead worship tonight for an event. Not exactly a restful day, but a joyful day. I love what I get to do and I'm not complaining or looking for a pat on the back, but it's not a restful day. And so I've had to adjust my own personal schedule to find another day to try to get some rest. And I'm not very good at resting. Is anybody else not very good at resting in the room? Okay. My grandma often says, oh, Shane, you're a busy boy. And uh, I am a busy boy. Um, Yeah. I always, I I, I have trouble just sitting still. I'm not, I don't do well with like nothing to do. I like accomplishing tasks. I'm very much driven by productivity, I I don't like just sitting and doing nothing, and it is my wife who has uh, been the one in six years of marriage to be like, Shane, you can just sit, we can just watch this show or this movie for a minute, it's okay, and I'm like, well, I could be, but I could be doing this while we watch the movie, see, and then I'd be getting two things done and not know what happened in the movie at all. Okay, so some of us are not very good or wired for rest. And so I have to take some intentional steps, like getting moments where I actually get to rest. And with the two kids now, I, I envy light, you know, full nights of sleep more than I ever have. And so I am starting to understand the value of rest more and more uh, when your days are just jam-packed with stuff. Um, but the word here in the command for work in the uh, Hebrew, which is what our New Testament scriptures are, are written in, is Melakah, and it just means exactly what you and I think of when we think of work. It means, uh, for them, it would have been putting their hands to the plow, going to their, their nine to five, if you will, and working for their employer. And so, I will encourage you, as just a little application point before we continue, that if you are not making a day in your week a day of rest, you are being disobedient to the command. So you take that and you apply it to your life however you need to, but you should find a time to rest. Now, with that, we are talking about legalism today. You cannot fall into the trap of being legalistic with this either. So if you have somebody who, when you're heading out the door today, says, I got to head to work, don't shame them publicly in the foyer, blasphemy, you know, and call them out. This guy's going to work after church. Stone him. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That would be legalism. Okay? Okay. So we need to find the balance between, okay, I'm going to rest in the Lord when I have the opportunities and when duty calls, I need to provide for my family, I need to do something uh, and so on and so forth. Then we put what we're going to see, the principle that Jesus applies is human necessity trumps the Sabbath law. Okay. Now what's going on here? Why are the Pharisees all worked up to begin with? Well, because they're legalistic. And so O'Donnell says this, the vagueness of this command in Exodus is problematic for legalists. And I've noticed this in my years of ministry, that legalists and legalistic people often add their own spin on virtually everything, which is pride, by the way. And uh, over time, it would seem that every conceivable Sabbath question had been answered by some sort of man-made law. And I kind of alluded and and, uh, gave you a few examples of those a minute ago. O'Donnell also says this, with these invented and uninspired additions, the Sabbath, which was intended to bring freedom and rest to men, was hedged around literally thousands of petty regulations. Ironically, in doing so, they made much work of not working. What was originally intended to serve as a sign of Israel's unique role in the history of redemption and honor the absolute holiness of Yahweh as their God and Creator turned into something wholly and entirely unscriptural. What you will find in the midst of legalistic people is the bulk of what they are doing and operating in is not even in scripture it's not there you won't find it i have had people ridicule me for the weirdest things and we have to understand a few things when we read scripture there are uh narratives and normatives so just because the narrative is there doesn't mean it's the normative so that's one example is something happening in the bible doesn't mean it should be normal in the christian's life Um, another principle is historical context There are a lot of different cultures that are being written to, like in the Pauline epistles, when Paul writes letters to the church, he's writing sometimes to very specific um, uh, cultures that have very specific rituals and ways that they do things. And Paul learned to become, like he says, all things to all men, and he knew who he was writing to. Just as Jesus did this perfectly, he always knew his audience and how to most effectively reach them.
0: You've been listening to The Bondage of Legalism, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he taught in Matthew, Chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
2: Well, sometimes when you listen to a message like this and you think about tradition and rules and all of that, you know, the, the old kind of uh, a little song song. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with people who do. (laughs) We just watched a movie where maybe you guys saw the movie The Hill. It's about this kid that his his legs were—he had a lot of problems with his legs and spine. But anyway, he overcomes it, if you've seen the movie. But what's funny about the movie, among other things, is the dad's a preacher, and they show a church where uh, people are smoking and a lady's chewing tobacco, and she's about— you know she spits in the cup and misses about one every two attempts you know there's <laughs> there's tobacco spit on the floor, and you know he finally has enough of it and we go we go from that and it's like trying to endure that kind of stuff and and then uh we know how legalistic some churches have become where you know there's some churches where certain clothing was required makeup is a no no there's just all kinds of things where where man. Man can add his stuff to it. That's what was happening in Jesus's day. They added so much burden on the people. That's why Jesus gave that invitation in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. He was talking about people heavy laden by man's religion, weighed down with rules and regulations that don't make you right with God. What makes you right with God? Trusting Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And then, yeah, you want to live a righteous life, but you want to live a life that's measured by the Word of God. What does Jesus say you should be doing? What does He say about righteousness? What does He say about love? You weigh those things by the Bible, not by some man trying to tell you what's right and wrong that's not biblical. So you measure it by the Word of God. And there are people who have platforms and have. there's been abuse, church abuse. There's been, you know, Uh, forms of lording it over the sheep and all of that. And if you're in a place like that, I would move on, find yourself a healthy congregation. And if you have questions about this, you can reach out to us through the website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Have a tremendous weekend. We'll see you right here on Monday.
0: We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast and podcast as a thank you for your support we've created the walk in truth app if you'd like to become a walk in truth partner any amount is appreciated you can now give on the walk in truth app or visit walkintruth.com and join us monday for part two of pastor michael's son pastor shane lance's teaching in matthew chapter 12 verses 1 through 14 called the bondage of legalism
1: the more that you get to know your creator the more wicked you will realize you really are And the more you will realize how much you need His grace and His mercy on a moment-by-moment basis. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we're doing so good, we got the worship music playing in the car, we're cruising down the road, and then that guy cuts you off, and the things that come out of your mouth are anything but holy.
0: I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.